Hello there, I'm Tim and he's John and this is How to Murder Time, a podcast about games and things. Still cold then? Uh, yes, I've <laughs> got my coat on because it's, uh, it's, it's quite, quite fresh in the studio here. It's nice in the summer. It, it, no, it's, no, too, it's, hot it's too hot in the yeah, summer. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't be complaining really, I was out hiking in the nought degrees and one yeah. degrees yesterday, so I should be used to this kind of rugged outdoors. Did you do point. the research? I sent you the link to do a day late. Uh, no, well I sort of went past the place you were on about. Yeah. I went past the the mine scene, the, the place where they filmed the mine scene, the exploding mine in Live and Let Die. Did you know that beforehand? Is it Live and Let Die? No, no. it's uh, Licence to Kill. View to a Kill? View to a Kill. <laughs> Licence to Kill is different. Yeah, the Christopher Walken one. Yeah. Which is a terrible film. Did you know... It was from there. No, no, but no. I could see why. I sort of walked up the side of the gorge that it's, yeah. it's uh, and then onwards on my trekking. So the, the thing I really like about that is it's all you know. It's in uh, around San Francisco, and then just this bit, obviously not in San Francisco, <laughs> yeah, just completely wrong geology yeah. and everything. Yeah, <laughs> that looks a bit like the South Downs. It was the pantomime era of the yeah, James Bond franchise, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So no, but I played lots of games. Shall I talk about them? If you must, see, look at that handbrake turn of a segue yeah. and get back on track I go and talk about lots of things that are not the static group games because I play stuff in the other the other times of my other week day. as well other day <laughs> and, and the occasional 15 minutes here and there uh, Stellaris Okay, still yes. playing yep. Stellaris. Stellaris. I'm really enjoying Stellaris, but it's an odd thing. I can't just play a quick casual go of that. That needs to be a whole. You have to set aside a whole Sunday afternoon to get stuck in on the that. The problem I always have with that kind of game is I don't want to go back after I've started. Well, yeah, you get. I, I, this has happened with um, Anno 2070. I got yeah. really far, and I got so far that I thought, "Oh God, I can't start this game up again because it's going to collapse." It, yeah. you know, the, yeah, I managed to save myself into a corner, and I couldn't work out how to continue. And I thought, if I ever play this again, it's going to all come crashing down, and I'll lose like 50 or 60 hours worth of work so i'm just going to leave it and walk away uh, and it's otherwise a very good game but um yeah no stellaris is going well so i don't know if i talked about it. so i had the playthrough where i was the happy clappy starfleet style blue human yep, empire yeah. and that went badly because i just got stomped by a neighboring empire who thought i was insignificant and we're right so i thought i'd try the red uh, spiky banners and black logos type gray uniforms empires type human empire never go at those and that was fine but i found myself developing up in the galaxy where everyone else was much more powerful than me ah and you know the, it's always a problem for your space fascists and not the most powerful space fascists who no one takes seriously yeah. we're scared of yeah yeah so uh, but i did find another empire that was slightly less powerful than me and that was the happy clappy blue starfleet oh. empire for <laughs> humans yeah so my very first subjugation was the other the other human lot you're, you're definitely the mirror episodes of star trek it's, yeah it just went badly with little goatee beards and stuff and uh, yeah, I, I declared war on them because I thought, right, here we go, then let's get stuck in, let's grow my empire by yeah. the traditional means usually presented to you in a kind of military style thing. And it turned out that the Happy Clappy Starfleet Empire had allied themselves into a defensive pact with one of the vastly powerful alien empires and they all That came. made perfect sense. Yeah, and I yeah. sort of stomped a couple of human worlds and then the doom stack from the uh, the the, uh, <laughs> the empire next door came along and just utterly destroyed it all. And, and there was lots of fireworks and small teddy bear yeah. creatures singing and Yes, it went pretty bad. Did you learn a lesson? Did you I learned, learn an important lesson? I learned a valuable lesson. So my third playthrough, uh, which I'm currently still on, is the blue Starfleety Happy Clappy ha Human Empire again. And this time I'm using the interface to learn things about information and how to play the game. Oh, there's uh, an overlay. Normal. Yes, there's an overlay mode you can pick on the bottom corner, which instead of all the... Because the, 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 the galaxy map of Stellaris is fantastic. It's it's all, all brightly coloured areas of influence, a big galaxy all around it. And you really get that sweeping sense of, of galactic destiny from it all but and that's all very nice and each empire 
has got different colours, and those colours are largely based on the background colour of their little logo, their banner and stuff, which is fine. But if you if you look at the little things in the bottom corner, you can tick one which changes the colours to show you their opinion of you. So, you know, grading from red, I'm, I'm, just, I'm going to kill you, through to green, uh, I'm going to look after you if someone else tries to kill you. Yeah. So you got all that, there's quite a subtle diplomatic game in there involving all sorts of points-based actions and various levels of acceptance and, and what they're prepared to do and not do and how likely they are to want to come and stomp on you with a doomstack. So... I, and then you've got this traditions thing. So certain structures generate unity points. When you get enough unity points, you can pick a perk off of, of, of these seven different areas of nice. influence. And one of those areas is diplomacy. And once you start in on those perks, you you have a thing called a trust cap. So basically the amount of trust that another empire has of you goes up over time the longer you successfully fail, you successfully don't backstab them or break, okay, break yeah, any trade yeah. agreements or whatever, and that goes up and up. Eventually it caps at a certain level. Now if you're starting on the so diplomacy... So get them just cap, at the cap. Well, you try and build, build up uh, cooperation. You know, they trust you because you've gone, like, you know, 50 years without... <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Death Star. Um, <laughs> which is surprisingly easy to do. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a mechanism that rewards inactivity, which is one yeah. of my favourite sorts of gameplay. But um, you can double the amount of points before it hits the cap if you start in on some of these diplomacy perks. Basically, you've decided that diplomacy is your is your hat of, of choice, you know, the old Planet of Hats thing. Uh, and it was, it's all very Starfleet. It's all very Federation. Humans are the great diplomats. Well, they are if you pick enough of these perks and so on. Anyway, so it got, gets to the point where pretty much everyone around me in, in about three quarters of the galactic disc is all it just really, really likes the humans. Everyone loves the humans because the yeah, humans nice. keep giving us stuff for free and we don't know why. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's like a protection racket, only where the, the, the person next didn't actually ask you to give them any money. But if you keep giving them gifts of surplus mi- minerals or energy or research research agreements and stuff, their opinion of you goes up and up and up. Nice. So eventually you get to the point where everyone is far, far more powerful than you, but they all really like you. And they got this. They can develop an attitude of not just friendly, but protective. Okay. Yeah. And so they get to the point where they all like you so much, it's almost like I'd become the mascot of the galaxy. You basically have massive eyes looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> We'd become the poor empire, yes. We're basically so cute and likeable that that pretty much any, any empire would stomp on any other empire if they attacked us, which, you know, is not the best position to be leading galactic destiny is, is from. It a no. <laughs> it's not. It's not really well. I mean, no one had invaded and taken over my world, so you haven't really made any progress. Though. No, but it's the it's the it's the most number of turns I've made it into a game without being exterminated. So you know, that's um, yeah. Yeah, now I now I come to explain that to someone else. Ah, but that's fine because that buys you time, and then I, I've so that that was how I started off, and now I've built up enough uh, of my own resources and planets. Starlatorias. Behind the planet. Exactly, yeah. Well, I'd, I'd sunk a lot of my time and research into not having to build an enormous, maintain an enormous yeah. fleet, because having the enormous fleet sucks up your, your materials and energy and all the rest of it yeah. in, in yeah. maintenance costs. So if you don't have a big fleet and you're just fine, no one wants to attack us, so we'll, we'll quietly get on and develop some really terrifyingly advanced terraforming and genetics technology to the point where my cute little porg humans can live on almost any planet in the galaxy <laughs> and have almost no maintenance costs or anything. And then suddenly, papa! Surprise fleet! Sudden um, Death Star. But I've got this. Sudden, I've managed to crank myself up from underwhelmingly inferior in terms of military and everything up to about equal with all my neighbours. All of a sudden, and now they're not longer they're no longer protective. They're friendly uh, because you know long tradition of not stabbing them in yeah. the back with Death Stars. Uh, and now I've managed to sort of form a federation, which is this weird sort of new gameplay that I hadn't really seen in any of the other sort of 4X Master of Orion types. <clears throat> 
is that you can get a victory condition of well we're just so friendly with everyone that we formed a massive federation you know Fair pact and all members of the federation when they occupy more than 60% of the inhabitable worlds will win the game together oh. so it's, you know you don't have to you know kill or be killed you can all be friendly you can friend friendly your way to is victory. this the most boring of the victories um no because each of these little quirky because all these other empires around you that you're jo- joining as your federation they like me certainly but do they like each other ah. Ah. yeah suddenly it becomes that big Babylon 5 thing where you've got yeah. exasperated humans trying to stop them all <laughs> killing each other and that, that becomes an interesting sort of gameplay in itself because you don't have any real direct levers with which to control how they uh, how they like each other but you can do subtle things like promoting your own your own ethics um, the ethics of not shooting each other. Yeah, well, exactly. There's, you get a of thing keeping called, your weapons hidden. Yeah, well, when you get enough friendship with another empire, you can you can do a thing called a migration treaty, which is where you just say, all right, well, individuals from each of our empires are, are allowed to just move and live inside each other's empires and stuff. And if enough humans migrate out to other empires, <laughs> they take their philosophy with them. So what I've decided is that the way to win is to infect the rest of the galaxy with humanism, um, which seems to be going quite well, because enough migration going out will start to their all their different ethics How and philosophy. How many people Until eventually do you all these... have left? <laughs> well, I'm breeding them at a fair rate because I'm massively do you have over... I'm massively overproducing food, so my growth rate is much much faster than all the others. I've never quite understood how that works. <laughs> the, the amount of food does not influence the number of babies. Uh, well, I suppose if you're prosperous and happy, you could think about the future and plan to have children. Whereas if you can barely afford to eat and are starving to death, you probably don't want to start raising a massive Actually, family. Actually, I think I find that the uh, the actual science behind it says if there's enough food <laughs> and life expectancy is high enough, then the birth rate goes I'm down because people have... aren't countering when they're having too many babies because they know some of them are going to die. I'm assuming there's some galactic civil service taking care of all of that. Right. But basically, I'm exporting people faster than, than any of are coming into my empire. So the overall outlook and philosophy of the galaxy as a whole is becoming more and more human which means that the way they react to each other is becoming more and more friendly because they're <laughs> becoming more human than not and so eventually you've, I will, you've exported root beer <laughs> i'm basically going to conquer the galaxy by stealth by uh, just making all the other species obsolete and extinct and eventually it'll just be humans everywhere all in a series of different different uh, nominal empires that are all very very similarly aligned pol- politically and uh, philosophically and we'll all be a federation and win yeah. that's my plan anyway only Stellaris has some, some some mechanisms to prevent that kind of nonsense. Oh, okay. So when they, they've seen you coming, they have sort of seen me coming. Yeah, because what happens is during, during the you know, during the startup, it seeds the galaxy with a number of enemy empires or opponent empires and so on. And some of these can be fallen empires, and some of these can be ascendant zealots and that sort of thing. They're different classes of empire. A lot of them are just similar to me, and off they go, similar to the player empire. But some of them start with like four star systems, an overwhelming advantage in technology and military. And a, and a policy of well, we're just not going to get involved. Vorlons yeah. and shadows. Yeah. Yeah. They're basically yes. The, 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 the idea of an immensely powerful precursor race that you just do not want to poke with sticks <laughs> exists in Stellaris. There are two of these in my galaxy at the moment, and they just sat there doing nothing. They will absolutely obliterate anyone who tries to build a colony next to their borders. But apart from that, nothing. They can't be reasoned with. They don't respond to the standard diplomatic stuff. They just don't care if you give them free food or free yeah. energy or whatever. And they can't be brought or bar- bribed or anything like that. They just sit there. And I thought, oh, right, well, we'll just work around them then. You know, they don't seem to be aggressive, but they, they don't like anyone, but they don't come out fighting. Except when you build a massive federation that's in danger of overtaping the status quo of the galaxy. Yeah. So I've noticed that now we've got, I've got somewhere around 30%, 30 to 40% in our federation. Federations take turns. There's you, I think you're in charge for 10 years, then the next uh, next member is in charge for 10 years and so 
so on. And in that time, they get control of the federal fleet. So you can build ships for your own empire, or yeah. when you're in charge of the federation, you can build ships into a common pool that the federal federal leader can use to do this. Know, is staffing, wise. essentially, yeah. But when you do, when you're building federal ships, you're allowed to use technology from all of the empires. And that's Ooh. interesting, yeah. Anyway, so the idea is that fleet is is useful for you know pursuing the aims of the federation as a whole, fighting its enemies or whatever. But <clears throat> But when your federation gets large enough, it starts these. It seems that that triggers these these ancient empires to decide. Right, we're off on one now, and they will just suddenly start coming out with hugely powerful ships and so on. And so, that seems to be a, a clever mechanism to keep the mid to end game interesting. Because normally with these sorts of four X games, is when when they when you get to a nice stable position of yeah we're winning now, it usually not a lot can unseat yeah, that yeah. it takes some real catastrophic mismanagement or just random events to unseat an empire that's in its sort of two, second you know you get two thirds of the way in and you're in control of everything and it's just going well, you just have to tick along and keep next turn next turn next turn until you till you win and that can be a bit boring but they've thought of that and there are there are interesting things that happen in the mid and late games in Stellaris which you don't normally see and that's I'm really liking that really interesting keeps keeps things fresh so yeah at the moment I'm trying to you know gradually diplomatically work up all the uh, surrounding people who haven't joined our federation largely with free suites best um, way yeah and once they get to a high enough acceptance level they'll they'll join I mean, some of them are already associate status which Ooh. is like a sort of trade agreement with the federation's whole instead of individual empires it has an interesting sort of multi-layered thing with the normal diplomatic gameplay in these things um yeah i don't know i have to try again at some point for the military game and see if that's possible but i think they've really the whole point of war scores and war demands and that sort of thing is is that they really don't want it to be a just, and now you have to fight to the death, and you know one empire will be destroyed, and then on you go. It's, they've done a real a huge amount to try and make it so that you don't. The aim isn't to obliterate the enemy empire; it's to take a chunk and then agree terms, yeah. then go on for a bit, and then see what happens after that. So, being attacked isn't necessarily oh god they've got the doom stack, it's game over. Usually they'll demand a planet or two. You could probably give it to them and then they'll leave you alone for a bit so you know and there's the whole system of vassals and, and overlords and so on which makes it a lot more of a nuanced thing than the usual thing I'm really liking it so yeah so I'm going to keep trying this whole federation but I've got a feeling these 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 angry precursors might might do for us in the in the sort of late game which is another new thing I've learned you might want to try a bigger military well, yeah yeah I mean I'm already already running at my full military federation capacity. empire yeah easy yeah. switch <laughs> yeah, just throw the, the, the good evil <laughs> switch and yeah, go on a rampage. We'll see. Yeah, uh, you got to protect the people. These foreigners coming in, you've got to uh, make sure that the alien races do not get the advantage over you. It is a surprisingly subtle and nuanced thing for its type. It is it is uh, fascinating the sorts of advanced concepts they are applying to what you know we already thought was a done and dusted genre. You know, so I recommend that highly. I'm still mm. playing it a lot, but yeah, it's not something I can just play over a quick half hour of an evening. It's something you have to settle down and have a real good run-up but when you do it's, it's fantastic i keep finding myself wanting to write bad fan fiction about the games in progress you know it's got yeah. that space opera sweep you know if you with a little bit of imagination you can see it all going off in you know it's a massive like the foundation series of asimov so you know these are all a culture novel run unfolding over over hundreds and thousands of years and all these different cuts and thrusts of empires and so on it's it's really epic stuff really stirring and, and yeah at the same time it's it's just you know colored <laughs> colored blobs on a on a star map and little arrow headships moving about you know but yeah i really like it mm. it's good okay uh 
What was that game I was going to talk about? Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Yes. One of the, <laughs> I only have a play game that seems a truly forgettable name. That's quite generic, yeah. 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 I'm thinking that's what, this for the Atari ST, is it? Uh, yeah. Now, this is a game by the founders of Criterion who left and set up their own company okay. because Criterion had gone horribly, horribly, horribly Criterion, wrong. Criterion, famous and, for your burnout series. Yeah, famous for the burnout series. Mm. And now they just do bits for... Battlefield and yeah, anyway. Okay. Uh, so they left and they decided to make some games and they, they've made a series of unfortunately that not quite spectacular games. Oh dear. One of which uh, is Danger Zone, which is basically you know in Burnout, what's the best bit of Burnout? Burnout being the best series of games ever made. Depends. Not Paradise. If you say not p- Crash Junctions. Exactly. Yes. This is Crash Junctions. Yeah. In a vehicle testing facility underground because, <laughs> you know, in, Legal reasons, probably. Mm. Uh, where, funnily enough, what you have to do is stop me if this is too confusing. You yeah. drive down a road, yeah. cause a crash, yeah. and collect power ups. And if you get enough high enough score, you either get a bronze, <laughs> silver, or gold medal. I think that's. It's sounds, very original. That sounds really good, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, the Showtime thing in Paradise was terrible, but Paradise yeah. was really good for other reasons. Yeah, and, yeah. but the, the best bit of the all the other ones was yeah. the Crash Junctions. And this it's like is. It's a snooker just, trick shot, but with cars. Yeah, this is just the Crash Junctions. That's not a bad idea at all. No. Unfortunately, no. for some reason, the game seems devoid of atmosphere. Oh, because you're in an underground testing facility. You're in an underground mm. testing facility. Well, they'll cra- literally crash test yeah. dummies. You don't have um, lovely soundtracks uh, going on. You don't have DJs talking. You don't have any other things that the other that games use. big part of the appeal, yeah, with the Burnout series. The, you know, the, the now ubiquitous little dash, you know, yeah. arrow you know, um, D-pad to change your radio It, it, it just feels a little bit clinical, a little bit empty and so you start you know uh you've got this underground facility where you've got these blue doors which cars come out of and the roads laid out and mm, you have to do the mm. thing if you fall off the road and hit the ground it's an instant death all right which i don't like i mm. really don't like because because quite often fall off the ground but yeah. careen into the thing anyway yeah, yeah. in normal uh old burnout if no matter what happens, you'd be on the road or just out the way. In this case, if you get if you're stuck and can't move, and then a truck hits you, yeah. you can be punted off the map and you'll lose. Oh, that's not fair. Which I do not like. No, I no. really do not like that mechanic. It really annoys me. Mm, yeah, because it's not really something you get much control over. No. Yeah. No, you have absolutely zero control at that point, and I don't like losing just because I happen to have been punted off the Some edge of the map. Some random quirk of physics. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the rest of it is exactly the same. You've got jumps we mm. can take. You've got, got the um, cash power-ups you can get. You've got the crash breakers, actually called crash breakers. Obviously, the lawyers were okay with that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and basically, roads are lots and lots of things Sounds going like on. a massive shame. Yeah, it, it, it's just missing something. It failed to recreate what makes Burnout so fantastically brilliant. Well, it was the gleeful anarchy and chaos of it all, you know. I mean, okay, not an act, you know. I, I wouldn't want to actually go out and do that in real life, but the idea of it, it may hurt. propelling a car into a busy junction and stuff yeah. going everywhere and it just being absolute mayhem. I don't There's know, a glee to that. I don't know if it's just the reframing it to be a... A testing environment with well, crash test dummy logos everywhere. Yeah, and ultimately, and... I mean, all these games are just coloured blocks and shapes yeah. that we manipulate to gain a sense of pleasure from our skill. But, I mean, it's how you dress them up. And, and this is a fascinating example, in a way, because I, I sometimes wonder what would a racing game be like if it were literally a really sort of 
solid and, and dry recreation of a of a test facility for a vehicle manufacturer yeah yeah i mean what compared to i don't know indy 500 or grand prix or whatever it is literally just you know a man driving around quite fast but safely on an empty <laughs> track with a load of people with clipboards watching you know is that a basis for a fun game because what that's essentially well, what they've done here isn't it <laughs> the sessions of the f1 games they've recreated a, a vehicle testing facility <laughs> not an actual not an actual vehicle okay, but thing. it does have the crashes and everything well yeah but You've sort of robbed all the mayhem and glee yeah. of it. If it, is. it doesn't feel subversive. No, it always felt subversive before. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, we're, we're yeah. crashing cars for fun, you know. <laughs> and, and there was a sort of yeah, because it's a computer game, you can you can live those unthinkable fantasies, like like piling into a busy traffic junction. Yeah. But and yeah, the, the presentation yeah. is completely lacking in any of the flamboyancy. You are starting has. to move over into things like car mechanic simulator and and. Uh, I, 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 well, I mean, perhaps it's unfair comparison, but Euro, Euro Truck Simulator. Oh, which is, also, Euro Truck Simulator is not a racing game, is it? It's a game about carefully a getting game your that car I would from mention one place to another. Test Drive Unlimited, uh, which was basically the last of the Test Drive games. Yeah, uh, those two. Which was here is all of Hawaii. Yeah, um, and you will be driving around this now, mm. and it's going to be serious racing and serious acting and serious stuff, but it's going to have none of the fun. Which was a brilliantly interesting game yeah sort but of open world, yeah open world drive just around, drive around carefully but it lacked yeah. any kind of threat peril i don't know it just felt mm. dead yeah yeah let me... but then you compare it to something like you know burnout paradise or forza horizon mm. which again forza horizon is probably a good case it, that feels subversive you, you you're going from uh racing um uh, event to a racing event in these uh, festival areas, and it feels like a big, joyful um, and you're being exploration of and celebration of driving. And you're being encouraged to go mad, encouraged to break the rules, encouraged to have fun with yeah. it. Whereas, I'd imagine just sitting there in some kind of vehicle, to, it almost feels like oh, I don't know some sort of forensic examination facility. Yeah, you know? It's too it's, clean. It's like. And, and perhaps that's how they maybe should have done it. Maybe you should have sort of presented it as here are a series of road crimes, and we are we're going to quite carefully or, trying to recreate, work out who did it and what went wrong. Plot, just put them on roads. Well, well, that's the problem, isn't it? I mean, the whole just whole it being a test facility. Well, I, I I know the reason why they did it this way. I yeah, can because, make, well, yeah I, because you're they're clearly not allowed to no, do another burn. I don't think game. it's that. I think no? it's purely a production costs. They cut down the oh, amount of now you don't scenery to... they need, and it's just roads and bits on the roads. And in this big square room, and uh, yeah, yeah, if it's all just concrete hangars or whatever aircraft hangars, it's much well, easier. Well, it's basically to do than... sort of uh, rusty metal walls and everything. That's, and yeah, it... that's much easier to do than if you yeah, if you ever play Burnout Paradise, you'll know how bizarrely and insanely detailed that city is. Yeah, when essentially you're just not even looking at half of it; you're just driving really fast down a road. But that must have taken a huge amount of time. And yeah. something like GTA, any kind of open world well, we'll driving talk about thing. About a bit, but yeah. But yeah, the idea that you'd have to call it, you'd have to pull in like two or three other ex yeah. extra studios What's just to work on the world. They, they're, they're now a company called Freefields Entertainment, and mm. they're based in Petersfield, by the way. Okay, which is an interesting place for interesting factoid. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it, it being uh, vaguely related to your walking. I've walked those. somewhere near there. Yes. Yeah. Well done. Uh, <laughs> Carry on. It's the only game That uh, horse was it Horsham, I, I, uh, which is a, where that's a name that sounds familiar. Somewhere like that, which is where uh, uh, the people who make Total War come from. Right. Anyway, uh, it's completely uh, unrelated. Just hmm. two bizarre companies in the middle of nowhere. Uh, yeah, it, it's a small team 
not much budget and they've done their best i think but i think it needed a bit more for it to work yeah and yeah, yeah it just doesn't go far enough doesn't quite feel it meets like, expectations no it doesn't mm. my expectations yeah. were oh, all they have to do is uh, recreate the crash junction Damn and we- then so these the Criterion was like what an EA studio or something. Criterion still is an EA studio. So is it, are we seeing a really sort of potent example of what AAA publishers actually managed to do and provide for a game versus two blokes in a you know in an office doing an indie thing? Is are we looking at uh, that's a quite a good game for an indie studio? Is that is that the if, excuse? If it had come along and there hadn't been burnouts, mm. it would probably be a lot. more more interesting the it seems received. less than things that have yeah, come before but, yeah. yeah I don't know it might mm. just be a case of it needed a bit more spent on it but it wasn't or it needed more music or it needed something but it is missing something and I don't know what that is and I don't know if that is a cost issue I suspect it probably is a cost well, issue time cost, cost yeah, yeah time is costing yeah, games yeah. Um, but yeah it's just missing that something mm-hmm. and I don't know whether or not so that, yeah, it's, it's odd. It's like it's fallen down the middle between this like may- anarchic mayhem of crashing cars versus some weird sort of forensic solve the solve the vehicle related crime by trying to recreate it and work out the clues. Yeah, thing. well, so yeah, well, it's always been that. It's always been how can how, if this crash was going to be the most chaotic, what would you hit and when? Yeah, yeah, and that has always been the key. But it just doesn't feel quite the same way anymore. Mm. And it might just be that you can't do that now. Uh, those are games from 15 that, years ago. Yeah, that, yeah, the Burnout 2 and 3 were the ones I quite enjoyed. Yeah. And they're, they're ancient. I was remember playing those on the original Xbox. Yeah, uh, the, the, they they covered the crossover to 360 and mm. that was it. Yeah. And then they died and then we got Paradise, which is still the best racing game ever made. It's a different game though, isn't but it? But it's not Crash Junctions. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the, the, the Crash is in it. The, but it's interesting if you distill out the Crash junctions which is what this game essentially has done take them into an abstract form and just make them about moving blocks of color and and physics is it seems to be nowhere near as much fun well i, I would say is it for what it represents then? i don't know i wouldn't say they've, they've gone that far they haven't really abstracted it out you've still got everything there mm. it just yeah it's missing something that magic and i don't know what it is hmm. and i don't know if i should be alarmed by the alarm in the background I'm ignoring it. Yeah, I'm ignoring it. Yeah, too. I think I, the, important, I thought, the important thing is not to draw attention I to it during I'd the show. I thought I'd better mention it just in case it's turning up on white, <laughs> which it probably isn't, which is going to ruin everything. Okay, yeah. good. Mm. Yeah, so anyway, uh, uh, yeah. That's Danger good. Zone. Danger Zone. Mm. It's an interesting game. Not fantastic, but I think Generic it's worth title. it's worth playing if you get it for a reasonable price, because it is Crash Junction. Wait for a sale, is it? Yeah. Mm. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to talk about Warframe. We're Really going with that. We've got a guild, and, and it's almost like semi-regular static nights and all sorts of things going on there. It's, wow. Yeah. I, I've seen the uh, comments on Slack about weird <laughs> dojos. <laughs> G- and G- I know, perhaps we're going to... They don't make any sense. It may... I don't know what's going on, <laughs> and I don't like it. We might have to move away from the general chat and actually create a proper room for that, <laughs> yeah, because it's starting to get a bit all-consuming. It's, it, I, I'm hearing it again and again from all sorts of people that they're amazed how much you get for free yeah. and how good it is, you know? <laughs> yeah. Which I'm not... I try not to be a fanboy for anything I play, really. I like to look at reasonably objectively at even the things I like. But just trying to think objectively, you get a lot for your money and it is free to play it is it is it by the internal currency and most of the things you buy are are, are shortcuts around progress bars you know timers rather uh-huh. than, than things you you know actual paywalls or anything like that but 
But yeah, I've given them a bit of money. I've been trying to spend some money on all the free-to-play stuff I play this week as a sort of Christmas wow. present to them all because it seems like it seems fair, you know. I bought uh, I bought a guild stash tab in Path of Exile, yeah, shared guild bank box because I thought that might be useful, mostly so that Terag can give us our equipment because none of the rest of us understand what we're doing <laughs> with the theory craft. Terag, help! Um, yeah, so uh, and then I bought some platinum in Warframe, so I can basically just get a few more Warframe and equip and gun slots. Those are the only things you can't grind out. In game. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we've been sort of bimbling around the early solar system, helping some of the newer people get get progress done. Um, and yeah, it, it, it is an interesting game as groups. I mean, I sort of pug it a bit normally now and then when I have to, but I usually solo, literally solo, just me on my own. But it takes, and that's. I don't know if the game scales for group size. It might do, but certainly some missions. I mean, you have to be a bit more stealthy if you're going to solo the stuff. Whereas if you, you know, there's four of you, then it's quite difficult to be stealthy. So you might as well just go in all guns blazing. But, but um, yeah, we're also chipping away at various various planet objectives, those junctions which have a tick list of tasks to achieve before you can go to the next planet. We're sort of working towards people's ones of those and so on. Experimenting with some different warframes. I had the Rhino warframe, which is the uh, a sort of tanky, survivable one. You've got lots of uh, damage mitigation skills, and it just and his number one ability is a sort of head down charge, like an actual Rhino that does damage as you blast through. Um, working on shotguns and things. It's yeah. I, I'm just surprised how how sort of people are taken to it. As yeah. Well. Have you had a go? No. You should probably have it, see what you think. I probably should. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be interested to hear your comparisons to Destiny because I've not played any of those things. But yeah, I need to play Destiny Two as well. <laughs> Fair enough. My enthusiasm um, for Destiny Two is not very high at the moment. Yeah. So I've personally gotten to Sedna. Which is uh, that and Eris, and then yep. there's the place called the Void after that. So there's only three places I've not got to so Ooh. far in the entire solar system. Gone all the way around to Pluto. That's it. Got got really hard from about Neptune onwards. Um, I don't know if it's some buildcraft thing I'm missing, or whether they just expect you to be grouping more at that point. But really, quite tricky stuff. Um, crashed through some of the more some of the more elaborate story missions as well. Uh, so there was one called the Second Dream, which I talked about before, and that was amazing. It was really yeah. really good, really really satisfying uh, and well told. Now the, that that is that is sort of that's expanded on and culminated in one called the War Within, which answers pretty much all the other questions you had at the start of the game. You know, because you, you you get dropped into the beginning of Warframe with almost no explanation as to what the hell's going yeah. on, and and some people find that really off-putting. So for some people, that's a real problem. I mean, I, I quite like a, a sense of not the not explained, you know, because it lets me imagine. But um, you know, so I had my own theories about what was going on as I went through. But the, I'm not even going to talk about what goes on in either of these quests because they are hugely spoilerific and 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 quite. And interesting quite quite satisfying sort of reveals and twists and so on um and yeah i got through the end of that and i thought wow that was amazing and there's still lots of the game left to do um uh, so my per my current personal goal at the moment is to get all the bits of the Octavia Warframe. I haven't got that one yet. That's the one uh -huh. with the step sequencer that you give it your own music. Oh, that, nice. that becomes buffs that you, dance, uh, you dance along to. Because now we've got a group, I think that might be quite fun. Do to you get to play on the Dance Dance Revolution board? Uh, Ah uh, no, I don't. <laughs> no, it's no. I, well, I don't know. You do have to sort of yeah, like I say, you have to all dance along in time to the music to actually get the buffs that are being generated. By there was this another thing. game that did that, and yeah, it's just like un unlike almost anything I've ever come across in any game whatsoever. So I've got the overall put the whole thing together blueprint because you get that from the quest called Octavia's Dream, which unlocks a bit further into yeah. the, the planets. But then you need the three, you need the chassis, the systems, and the new optics, and they come from various specific uh, missions that you need to just rinse and repeat to get the drops for so uh, 
I need to crack on and work on those because I just think it'd be, it'd be fantastic drawing that with a full group of friends. Because I've seen the Octavia turn up now and then in pug groups when I've tried, you know, you needed help to get through a boss fight or, or open relics or whatever. And usually they've just got some, they've programmed it in with some insanely high EDM. It's not even music. They've, they've absolutely sort of min-max metagamed a sequence of noises that will give you the maximum performance. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there is music, and that's that's doing it wrong. Yeah. No, no, you should you should just. It is literally like one drum beat every every note and and every. It's like the Stock Hickman the... Waterman style <laughs> of music writing. It's like a test pattern. It's like a signal <laughs> generator. It's like and and okay, fine. I don't know what that even means. And then they just piss off down the end of the mission anyway, because you've got to be within yeah. a certain proximity yeah. to be able to get the buffs anyway. So, waste of time. Okay, whatever. But I'd like to sort of, you know see and try it properly. Um, there's a quite a lot of quirky Warframes in there. There's one called Limbo that I currently have that comes from a quest chain to do with the Archwings, and that one has this weird mechanic where you've got an alternate dimension so when you okay. when you double when you tap you double tap shift to dash and normally it just makes you sprint forward but when you do it in limbo he sprints forward and goes into an alternate dimension and from the outside he looks all black and white and shimmery but from yeah. from your point of view everything else goes black and white and shimmery. okay and during that point in time you're not invisible the enemies can still see and shoot at you but none of it none of it can physically interact with oh you. nice yeah so it's a fantastic get out of jail free oh my yeah. god panic button because you can just like sit and sit in this alternate dimension in, invulnerable <laughs> effectively for a while but most of limbo's abilities number one is a blast thing and that shunts anything in the cone into that alternate dimension as well yeah so then and they can't be hit and that's a real pain in the ass if you're in a pug because no one likes it when you make up make the enemies invulnerable <laughs> um but then you can follow them in by doing the double tap shift thing and then deal with them in there so it's, yeah. it's a way of taking you and some enemies out of a fight into your own space and deal with them separately and they can't interact with anything else then when you when you do that dash you leave behind a sort of shimmery lightning ball any other player who runs through that goes into that dimension with you oh so it's a way of sort of essentially splitting a really complex fight onto two levels and if you're really clever and cunning and everyone knows what's going on with it you can pull a boss out into there and deal with them separately to the yard trash and are you all clever and cunning and does everyone know what's going on no not at all (laughs) (laughs) it was really confusing until i because i didn't really know what was going on and i was doing it so uh, that takes a bit of coordination i think but yeah if you've got a particular there's a lot of rank and file stuff that have really irritating special abilities and you can just pick that one out and take it somewhere else and deal with them that takes the pressure off the rest of your team particularly on large sort of hold the fort type defensive missions um yes that's interesting i I think i think mag's my favorite currently it's it's just lots of levitate and kinetic powers and slams and that sort of thing um, but yes, there's all sorts of other. I've got Oberon and T- Titania. Um, those I've got all the bits to go done for those, and I've got them building. Uh, I don't know what those do. I think Oberon is a kind of paladin healer type. So we're sort of experimenting with actually having healing. Wow, I know, I know it's like almost Trinity gameplay. Actually, there is one called Trinity, which is a healer. So I haven't found the bits for that yet. There are so many interesting, quirky Warframes in there, and, <laughs> and it, it, it extends to the weapons as well. I got because I've been playing a little while, and every day you get a login reward, and there's yeah. only it goes long track. The hundred day reward was a pistol called an Azima. It's a pistol that it's like da, 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 da. it's like a sort of handheld machine gun thing. But if you use alternate fire, it launches its disc shaped clip. The entire clip goes off and bounces into the scenery, and then pops up and becomes a hovering tur- turret, firing oh, off, okay. but all its bullets. In oh, all I was directions. expecting it to explode like. Um, uh... <laughs> no, the glaive does that. Okay. No, it's, it's all sorts of weird, quirky weapons. Yeah, okay. You've got your assault rifle, you've got your shotgun, you've got your sniper rifle. You know, if you're, you know, a third-person shooter fan, you'll find a gun that corresponds yeah. to the, the sort of thing you like in other games quite easily. But there's all sorts of weird ones. There's a circular saw blade launcher. There's. Um, yeah. 
There's the glaive that, you, that bounces off stuff and you can detonate as it's flying. There's all sorts of grenade launchers and all sorts of there's all sorts of crazy guns in there and, and melee things as well. So it is an interesting sort of exploration trying to find and try out all these new bits. We got we got a dojo on the go. So the dojo is a guild hall. Okay. Yeah. Just in case you're yep. wondering. I was wondering. Weird, I, I sort of made that assumption. <laughs> it's basically the clan guild hall thing, and it's it reminded me a lot of the City of Heroes base building. You get all sorts of rooms you can add onto it all, and and each some of these rooms have functional abilities. One of them is a lab which lets you research all sorts of guild specific, guild only warframes okay. and equipment as well. So we're already seeing concrete benefits to having a guild and having a guild hall. So it's going well. It's just lots of potential there, and at the end of the day, the basic gameplay. Yeah, the running around enemy spaceships killing people with weird weapons and cool powers is a lot of fun. It's a hugely kinetic, very smooth, and just, there's just a flow to it. I mean, I don't know how to describe it better than that, but I'm sure you know what I mean. There's yeah, yeah. That sort yeah. of, you know, there's not all this stilted, hide behind cover, reload, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that sort of thing happens, but... but it's the Halo Destiny style of... I don't know what they've done, that's but what Halo, there is some special magic yeah. ingredient that's that some they, shooters have. That's what they always have. said about Halo, which was, it's basically yeah. uh, chunks of combat, and it all, yeah, it just... It, it fit, yeah, and I get that absolutely with this. I mean, some of the game modes, because all the different pips around all the different planets are, represent different types of mission on on various sorts of tile set, and things like exterminate, spy, capture, those are fun. There's, there's some I don't like. I mean, the hijack one's a bit fraught. You basically have to try and propel a, a, a vehicle to the end of yeah. the level and cover it as you're shooting. There's the um, the infestation ones. I don't uh, the infiltration ones. I don't like those. That's four points you have to hold simultaneously oh. and stop the yeah. So yeah. that's a lot of dashing about and and, and fret. But then things like defence, one point in the middle you have to hold, and they come in in waves. Okay. That's a lot of fun, especially yeah. in a group. We were just charging around. I think we're getting up to wave 15s and 20s and stuff, you know. And it's just just absolute pandemonium chaos. And you get that it's also City of Heroes sort of feel. A full group of eight people in City of Heroes we're all with crazy particle effects and their own weird powers and stuff going on all the time. Is absolute just, you know, I, it's, it, I start giggling constantly. Yeah. And I get in that in here as well. Four different Warframes all with their own weird, wacky, crazy powers and mad guns going off all over the place and waves and waves of trash coming in and it's just an absolute blast. I just can't I can't. I just didn't really enjoy it. It's, yeah, it's, it's not. It's not elaborate. It's not you know profound. It doesn't need to be elaborate. And profound. <laughs> it's not. not some it genre defining. It's absolutely fun. Yeah. It, it's important to remember sometimes that games I just know. need to be fun. It's so easy to lose that, but but no, I'm really enjoying it. The solo and group stuff. Yeah, and there's usually another thing I really appreciate. They let you join mid mission. Oh, nice. I know, so many games don't yeah. do that. Or if you get kicked off or lose connection or yeah. something, you just have to go and sit on the bench for the remaining 20 yeah. minutes until they're finished. No, you, 20 minutes if you're optimistic. It's instanced gameplay of group size four or four and no more. But you people can people on your friends list, if you set it to not... You've got the drop-down list. If you leave it on friends only instead of solo, then people can join you mid-mission. They just suddenly nice. appear and off they go. I think they don't let you join after the primary objective of a mission's been completed, but then that's, usually, that's, that's a, a small yeah. span. You're usually on your way out. And that's it. Yeah, so that's a. That's um, just to stop yeah. you, you know, farming. farming yeah. yeah, but but you know, it's it's so flexible. Also, I'm not seeing any kind of major problem with level disparity. Uh, the mission that you choose determines the how what level it all is. And then, yep. it, you know, people can join, and people can join to planets they haven't reached yet on their own solo progression. Oh, that's nice. amazing as well. There's so it's it's turning out to be one of those. Yeah, you know, the, the big list of criteria. Right? Yeah. I always yeah, yeah. bang on about. You know, I mean, is there level? Is there sidekicking or mentoring? Well, there isn't, but it doesn't, doesn't seem matter. to matter. You no. can you make your own informed it's choice. It's a skill based game. Yeah, skill based game. 
so that helps a lot. Uh, and yes, yeah, it's going to be very difficult if you're only you've only got level ten guns and you join someone on a level thirty mission. That's going to be hard work. There's you know, no apology for that, I suppose. But but it'll let you try. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it doesn't just say no. You're too low. It doesn't. It doesn't. There's no sort of class structure. The whole Trinity gameplay of standard MMOs. It doesn't really make a lot. Of sense. There are healing warframes. There are defensive warframes. I suppose there's some degree of taunting a bit, but it just doesn't think in those terms because it's a shooter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a skill-based shooter at the end of the day. So that that kind of stuff helps, but it doesn't matter. You don't need a healer. You don't need tanking or anything like that. You just need good skills with weapons. And then the other one is is group size. Well, four. I mean, um, four is less than ideal. I'd like to see more. But then I typically like to see group size 13 in my MMOs. That seems to be the magic <laughs> yeah, number of when the, we get the mo- going. The moment that happens, you'll get another one. It's a raid at that point, and that yeah. goes completely out the window geometrically because typically adding more players is a geometrical progression of difficulty yeah. it's not just you know add you know add 25 percent to everything and off you go it's you know you're you're, you're multiplying at that point but force fine that's it's four's an easy number to balance for certainly yeah. it seems to be and and but but with that comes the you can join mid-mission if, if you've got a spare slot and that's something we like so that's good and yeah the, what happens if one of our one of our team disconnects during the match yeah they just log back in and immediately reconnect back into the mission nice. and rejoin yeah it's, it's it does a lot of things right and I think it's been it seems to have been greatly overlooked by myself even for for quite a long time I get the impression though it wasn't always this great everyone's raving about it now but I got a feeling in its early years it was pretty average pretty uh, most of these games tend to launch badly it feels I, yeah it didn't seem to come it was I, th- I got the impression it was just really boring and rinse and repeaty and this whole planet structure and the story missions and stuff that all came much later yeah. I don't know a lot about the early history of it but it's certainly grown into the right place now it's it's doing it seems to be doing quite well I mean so it, it, it's been very high on the concurrent players on steam stats for, for, for a very long time yeah um, but I don't know if that means anything particularly but I don't know. Oh, well, we, that's usually a good sign. Yeah, we like it, and it seems to be going from strength to strength at the moment. They've done latest update is Mirage Prime. Uh, they do this Prime thing, special fancy golden versions of each of the Warframes you can yeah. buy for cash. I, I don't really follow that stuff much myself, but but um, yeah, I think the next big thing people are going to be looking out for probably in the next year or so will be more open world roam zones, a bit like the Plains of Eidolon, because I think their their overall ambition, I think from what I gather, is to have one of those per planet. So that'll be quite interesting. Sounds like the Destiny Patrols to me. I don't know, but yeah, possibly. Um, and with that open zone came mining and fishing. Some of them were doing oh, <laughs> some of the chaps are doing that, and that's how you know it's a proper MMO. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, an MMO it's definitely an MMO now. So it's massive got, walking roboty warsuit things. Warsuits with spears going for fish. Yeah, it's, just, it's spears, not fishing okay. rods, but, but oh, yes, yeah. and special pistol-style mining lasers. But but yes, mining and fishing you know, in a pseudo-open zone. It's not really a standard MMO open zone. It is still an instance, just a very, very large one. But you, I guess it takes multiple players if you join a group. I don't know. But there's just lots to see and still lots of yeah. bits and pieces. Lots of parallel, lots of side tasks to do. It's not all just about get to the end of the planet. So, you know, you go off at any point and do side stuff, farm for warframe bits or do side missions, all, all sorts of stuff. Enjoying it a lot? Cool. Yep. Over to you. Okay, I, uh, I was casting around for a game to play the other day oh, yeah? because I've had two hard drives fail this year so far. It's two. really annoying. And so I've had to be... Re- like carelessness. I've had to reinstall uh, games constantly mm. because yeah, I... Did have my entire Steam library downloaded, <laughs> but now no. <laughs> Your entire Steam library is substantial. It is. It's. It's. It's only seven hundred old games. <laughs> I don't think I've got a hundred yet. I think I must be somewhere around forty to fifty. Oh, I'll send you some spares. 
<laughs> Please don't. I've already got three games I haven't gotten around to starting yet. I got three. Tales of the Borderlands. Yeah. Uh, I got that Stories Like Us thing you gave me. Yeah. That you said was important. Yeah. It's like an art game. Uh, and Echo. Okay. Echo, the, Echo. The woman running Echo. around that Echo. spaceship with the. Oh yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's that one that learns from how you play and, and throws your your mad skills back at you. You apparently. are so doomed. I know. <laughs> I'm quite predictable. Although, if the enemies are all hiding from you. But Echo, yeah, Dave's gave me that as a gift. Oh, so, cool. Thank you. Yeah, you need to play yeah. more games. Cause I know, I need to, I've got those three lined up for a, for a, for God's sake, Tim, talk about something else show coming up. Um, but at a the common moment, comment. <laughs> but at the moment, I'm just still really enjoying the games I'm currently playing, so that's a problem. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. one of the games I downloaded to uh, refill in my uh, gaps in my library hmm? was GTA V. GTA V. I, that's on my to-do list. It really should be. It's not not because I necessarily really want to be a gangster in LA oh, shooting a, up people and stealing stuff. It's not about being a gangster in LA. It's, it's about existing in a exquisitely yeah. put together world, massive contemporary open world type yeah. thing. I, I mean, yeah, that's the sort of thing that appeals to me. I quite like just driving around a, a, a mocked up pretend Los Angeles, I suppose. And, and something that uh, was really hitting me while playing it was everything people have been saying recently about how everything's going to games as a service which is the bollocksiest term you've ever See, heard I looked, last time i looked into getting gta 5 i looked on steam and it was negative reaction and i thought oh hello oh, some, that. some 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 that's sh- a, yeah, some, yeah well, some big it, storm of of, of controversy it, it, it's, it's got to do gta with... online yeah which i completely ignore because i don't care is it because they have the temerity to sell dlc no they don't have dlc for that's the problem oh. all it is is gta online which has turned into this microtransaction hell paid of, for mods is it or? Uh, not even that it's just would you like to you know, pay money to play this online version of the game and my answer to that is i don't care about your online version of the game i will keep playing the normal one because i don't care i have a similar story i'll tell you about next yeah uh and so i've been a bit worried about the fact that obviously, when it comes to GTA Six, yeah. they may not actually have hinted that they're not going to actually bother with a big story mode and just turn into this online nightmare. Oh, is this this constant compa- ca- sort of campaigning about EA games as single player games, games as a service? Yeah, games as a service. It, why bother charging once when you can charge a hundred times? I just can't help getting the impression that the entire marketing departments of all these companies have got the wrong end of the stick about what microtransactions actually is and means. Yeah, it doesn't matter anymore. I suppose not. <laughs> that ship has sailed, sunk, and I'm been not, abort. I'm not even attempting to fight those yeah. battles, no. But it does worry me that the it, the world in this mm. and the writing, not so much the writing on the missions, but the writing on everything else, the yeah. the, the one the, the little pickup missions you get and oh, the yeah. general random encounters you get in the world as you go through, mm. it is is exquisitely done. It is a fantastic game that has. So much detail in it, all the way down. A lot of why I game is that I love the idea of exploring imaginary worlds. Yeah, and this is a game where you can explore this map for a year. I mean, this is the third time I played this game mm. on the third platform, okay. and um, I stopped because yeah, I, I'd seen it all. Uh, I, but I, I, it's been what two years since I've been playing it now, and so going back to it, it's all fresh again, and so it. it all the stupid things you can do, like, you know, just decide to drive up that mountain, because why not? <laughs> yes. And all those fun things um, are back and they're fun again. Mm. And I'm not worried too much about uh, 
following the plot because I know where the plot's going to go. And yeah, that's got some interesting bits, yeah. but I know I don't need to do it because I know that the, the repercussions of me doing this next mission don't matter. Yeah. So I might as well just try and buy all the buildings. I mean, it's a shame that these these elaborate, lush, and fascinatingly detailed. Ex- worlds that are ripe for endless exploration can somehow only seem to be delivered through the medium of, of a contemporary gangster hit heist tale, you know? Well, you know, you're I'm thinking of, of the Saints Row stuff as well. Yeah. There, there were some elaborate and fascinating worlds there as well, but, you know, you have to do it through well, the lens of Johnny Gatton his, his wacky antics. It's know? not entirely true. Something like Red Dead Redemption, new one coming out next year. Uh, PC one, hopefully. No, no chance. No? Is that no. not PC? No. It's not with PC. Um, but that, again, is it, going to be an exquisitely built world, mm, but it's mm. going to be told for the tale of combat in... Through violence and, and, yeah. and brigandry, yeah. Uh, and you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing, because it is the Wild West, mm. but... Yeah. And also, how much of that is actually going to be plot, and how much of that is going to be Red Dead online, and yeah. Mm, well, whatever. But yeah, yeah. Let, me, let me loosen a fascinating and huge world full of interesting little nooks and crannies. Yeah, but... Yeah. Um, it, the world in GTA V is still fantastic. You really should play the game, and you really will enjoy just driving around having well, fun. Well, I've got Witcher 3 to sort of get through. That's a similar kind of experience from what I gather. Witcher 3 is... Explorable. Witcher 3 is so good, it's broken fantasy RPGs for me. Mm-hmm. I still haven't played it. <laughs> I've got um, Fallout 4. I've not gotten around to yet. You've not even started Fallout 4? No. Never, oh, OK. Never. I, got, I, I, I finally caught up with, with the New Vegas. Interesting episode <laughs> coming up for the Fallout 4 yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a lot of these fat, you know, enormous worlds. I mean, Dragon Age Inquisition is probably not oh, as good as Witcher 3, but it, again, no, no. another vast world to have a poke around in, you know. There, there's, I, I save them as, as precious morsels for the future. When, when, when they I'm, stop making single-player interesting games. When the, when the real world gets really, really bad, I, I, I retreat into these for, mm. for months and months at a time. But uh, at the moment, I'm doing lots of hiking and enjoying the real world, so that's slowing me down a bit. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, I, on that on that topic, then I've been giving Skyrim Special Edition a go. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is more Skyrim, more Skyrim. Well, I've always loved Skyrim because of all of the reasons I've just said, yeah. uh, and I'm constantly playing it. Usually, most of the time, it's been installed since it came out. Oh, I've been talking about Skyrim. Well, but I thought, well, I, you know, I'd, I'd taken a bit of a break, and I thought, ah, let's just try this because then I noticed in Steam it was there for free. I don't remember. I didn't buy it. it was, no, you had, you had the original Skyrim. I had the original Skyrim. Yeah. Um, uh, it was one via of the Steam. Case, it was one of the good cases where they decided we can't really get away from recharging this. <laughs> We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Well, the thing with Skyrim Special Edition is it is literally Skyrim. It's Skyrim and Dragonborn and, you know, all the DLCs. Fine, but you had them, you wouldn't but have I got had those. Them all you only got it if you had all the DLCs. Yeah, I did have yeah. all those, yeah, yeah. So there's no new content there, I don't think, unless there's a side no, quest or I two. I don't believe added. there is. But, but it's an engine upgrade. And basically the key, thing, again, I think, well, okay, but... Because I've already I modded the crap out of my original yeah. Skyrim with all sorts of environment, landscape, fancy trees, god ray blooms and stuff. And apparently Skyrim Special Edition, I, I, I fired that up vanilla just to have a look yeah. at it. And it looks all right. It's a bit more detailed. I think the texture resolution's up by one multiple. Yeah. Uh, they've done quite a lot with the lighting in there. They're, yeah. they're very proud of their god rays. And they do look good, shining down through the trees and stuff. There's something interesting with um, Special Edition is that distant campfires and things show and pop much better on oh, the landscape. Nice. Now. It's almost on the level of... Uh, 
Just Cause 2, you know, the sort of yeah, distant yeah. gleams of cities and stuff. So you can see, you know, campfires and cities and, and houses and stuff from much further away at night, which is interesting. Uh, and the engine, yeah, it, it, it always flew along originally on the base edition, Old Rim, as yeah. they call it nowadays. Oh, um, clever. I saw I know, what they did there. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I wish I was that witty. I know, I, I, I strive. But, um, but yeah, that, that flew along anyway. So, I, so I'm not really seeing any benefit of engine optimizations or anything well, like that. Well, there's one massive op- uh, benefit. Because it's huge. That... Well, exactly. 64 bit. Yeah, 64 bit. And that is a huge thing for me because I I added about 150 mods to my original Skyrim <laughs> game, and and it starts to creak a bit. It does rather. It's takes, creaking before you add the mods. Takes to be fair. quite a while to load, and then every so often it will just crash to desktop yeah. with no warning and dump its guts out. Um, because original Skyrim is a 32 bit game and is only capable of addressing the first three gigabytes of memory. Now we've got. SSE Skyrim Special Edition, not the uh, yeah. utilities company, and they—that's a 64-bit game. Now I don't know how well they've done or what they've done. They've, they've just like—is it one compiler switch or something? Yes, <laughs> fair enough. It is a lot more difficult than that, but yes, it is one more. One yeah, okay, switch. fair enough. You then have to fix every bug that that causes. And with Skyrim, that is a lot of bugs. That's a lot of bugs. Yeah, already there's an unofficial mega yeah. patch. That was one of the first <laughs> mods I downloaded. So, so yeah, I ran around with it vanilla for a bit. I thought, yeah, this is quite nice. And then I went went off to Nexus and started downloading all the special edition mods and most of the mods have been converted across so I was able to get me you there was a lot of trouble getting work well the the one well the big killer was uh SKSE it's the Skyrim script extender which was what a lot of the more elaborate mods hung off of for the original one and that there's been a real problem for quite a long time in fact only only in the last month or two they've got a stable alpha of a 64-bit version of that one and the Sky UI yeah. Mod hangs off of that, and that's the one that makes the user interface usable. My God, Bethesda cannot design a user interface to save no. their lives. They can't UI their way <laughs> out of a wet paper bag with, with, <laughs> with enormous writing on the side. There's a lot they can't do. Yeah, they need yeah. to hire a UI designer, for God's sake. I mean, I, I get that they're designing for the console and they're designing for someone sat on the couch eight feet away from the screen. But, but still, it's, even it's, so. it's clunky on console. And, yeah, and it's unusable on, on a PC. It's this horrible, drifty, mouse yeah. wheel nightmare of uh, massive menu comes in with the side with like six items on and yeah. you're carrying about three or four hundred yeah. items. So scroll, 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 it, scroll. It's scroll, annoying. Scroll. It's really annoying on console. It's terrible. We have high-res displays on consoles now. You know? Yeah, yeah. So one of the reasons I'd been putting off examining Skyrim Special Edition for so long was that I just, there just wasn't the support for um, the, the Sky UI mod. Yeah. because this thing. So now there's an alpha version of that, and I'm going to try that soon. But that's what thought got me thinking, all right, well, let's have a look at it. Um, yeah, lots of... Already I've had to download about 15 or 16 texture improvement mods. You know, yeah. the, the Special Edition still didn't have 4K textures. No, no, of course so not. So that's a whole bundle of packs I've downloaded for those. There's all the trees and, you know, the pop, popping distant trees and terrain and the distant mountains and stuff all being jaggedy that's all still in there look up substance speed tree yeah those two things make your life a lot nicer it's not like they couldn't afford to license the stuff no Uh, anyway so but yes so so i'm I'm running around in there started again oh god off to bleak falls barrow to get the bloody dragonstone again yeah i might have to look into that i think this was it live another life is a popular mod which basically just rewrites the entire starter you on the back of the prisoner oh god job so the first six hours the first then you get off the cart yeah the first six hours that you have to do before you can reasonably go off and enjoy yourself with any kind of basic conscience yeah that 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 that's all i think i don't know what it is i think you just you start life as some someone else entirely yeah. and presumably get to the action much quicker another one i've downloaded that i'm quite interested in and i'm gonna have a look at is beyond skyrim 
it's this huge project that a lot of people are collaborating on to try and recreate Oblivion. Well, no, 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 no. no. There's one called Sky Oblivion, which is yeah. a literal, literally attempting to recreate the you know, Elder Scrolls Four Oblivion using the Skyrim engine. What Beyond Skyrim is is a, is, is that the Morrowind one? No, no. They um, they it, there's there's Beyond Skyrim Bruma is out yeah. so far, and Bruma's the northernmost city in Oblivion in Cyrodiil. Uh, and what they're doing is they're essentially expanding the borders of the world. <laughs> But it's set in the same time period as Skyrim, yeah. because Skyrim's set a couple hundred years after Oblivion. But they've decided, right, we're just going to... Has anyone torn that bloody statue? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't actually gone... But I downloaded and installed it. I haven't gone to look at it yet. Yeah. But basically, once you've got Beyond Skyrim Bruma installed, you can go to the south... You know, the very south of yeah. the Skyrim map, there's this big gate with a, yeah. with a, with a roof on it that just doesn't take well, you. We sort of hinted towards DLC. Yeah, well, apparently you can go through there and there's a whole whole extra section nice. full of a lot of the fondly remembered Aeolid ruins, apparently, have oh. been recreated. Yeah, it's not just, oh, we're just going to, you know, make another field full yeah. of Skyrim standard dungeons. I think they've actually gone and done quite a bit of work to try and recreate the stuff that was literally in Oblivion. I don't know, I'm going to have a look. And the projects are ongoing. I mean, it's, it depends how... You know, presumably they're going to expand it further into the rest Hopefully. of Cyrodiil, and, and and who knows where? I, th- I think I've seen one where someone was trying to tackle elsewhere, which is where the Kajik come from, the deserty bit. I don't know. There's all sorts of well-meaning fan projects, but you know what those are like: yes. enthusiasm yeah. and capability, yeah. and people doing stuff Time. for free. And then at the end of it all, you've got some nearly professional polished mod that you're not allowed to sell or do anything with because you've basically stolen someone else's <laughs> IP. The so, number of times that makes people. People confused think, as to why they get takedown notices. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, sort of fifty or sixty well-meaning fans spend three years yeah. working hard to almost professional standards to create a, essentially double the content of the base <laughs> game, and then there's a DCMA takedown. No, yeah. you can't have it. Yeah, which makes you make me wary about trying to contribute to something like that. So yeah, I gotta, I, it's not much to say about Skyrim. Talked about it to death over the years, but it's interesting seeing the new engine. And I've not had it crash once with any of these. Excellent. So, so yeah. Wow. So I just need to get that Skyrim 64-bit thing and the Sky UI thing installed to see if I can get my my usable menus and lists back again, and then we'll see how that is. Because the 64-bit script extender is in alpha at the moment. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Must be, it's it's a public alpha. They've released it, and people are reporting it works well enough. So there'll be a lot of edge case blips here and there I suppose but uh, encouraging do you want my Skyrim rant go on then my Skyrim rant is Skyrim VR oh have you tried it they're charging for it full price (laughs) (laughs) oh god it's it's such a not suitable game for VR no it really isn't (laughs) and I want to know how not suitable it is I'm not forking out 40 quid to play it uh, yeah they should give that to anyone who's got Skyrim exactly like they did with the special edition so yeah that's a bit cheap they've done a Fallout 4 one as well haven't they uh, Fallout Fallout VR. Yeah. It's either here or soon. Yeah. Also, is it the click to teleport to somewhere I believe I'm looking so, yeah. at? Thing? Mm. Also, X. X VR. X yeah. VR. <laughs> X Rebirth. Full, VR. full price. Uh-uh. <sighs> X Rebirth, one of the most reviled games yeah. in history. Uh, it's still like you know, the 12th worst game on Metacritic or something like that. Don't charge for the VR things. VR is. Not mainstream enough to get away with charging full I price. I bet VR works a lot better in X than it does in Skyrim. Though. I can, I can, because you're sat I in a spaceship. It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do what uh, Elite did. You use VR as a thing to bring people in and have it as an extra feature rather than a selling point on the game on its own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 
not an owner, you can get away with it. Yeah, but remember, people who own VR headsets will think nothing of spending just dropping just 60 quid on, on the same game they already own. Just oh, no, that's why I don't buy any uh, VR games anymore. <laughs> of course, there's nothing interesting and new that I don't think that's probably a terrible idea, but there's no way for me to find out if it's a terrible idea. I think idea. augmented reality is the future, not virtual reality. No, funny you should say that. Hololenses and whatever. Well, uh, Pokemon not, Go. It's not so much Hololens, it's the uh, ones that Microsoft support from the third parties now. Mm. So, yeah. yeah, that's what Microsoft I think that's about. going to be the future of gaming. I don't. I, I think that, uh, yeah, it, it, the future of gaming is going to be the president of gaming, just with more microtransactions and mm. loot boxes. Mm. Well, I'm out of things to talk about. You've, you've just... Have I ended it on a big downer? Yeah. Yeah, I'm out of things to talk yeah. about as well. Do your spiel. Uh, you can go along to hanamurdertime.com where you can find all our previous episodes where we don't end on massive downers. <laughs> or you can go along to YouTube where you can find all of the videos of these shows going back however long. Watch and... me hiking. That didn't end I'm on watching a massive hiking. downer. Lots of him hiking. That ended on the downs. Yeah, lots of downs, not downers. Mm. Um, even though you did ignore James Bond references. I'm sorry. Uh, I should have said that. I turn my I turn my my mobile data and stuff off when I'm on the road on hiking because also it saves, did, it saves battery. I did phone. send it on Sunday or Saturday, thinking it was Friday. Oh, because I'm on holiday <laughs> at the moment. I got no idea what day of the week it is. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, and also uh, join us in a couple of weeks' time where we'll have. Probably 2018, I don't know, something like that, isn't it? Oh, is it an end-of-year thing? Yeah. Mm. Well, no, we probably won't do an end-of-year thing, so I can't Absolutely remember nothing a single happened. thing about what happened this year game-wise. Nothing. And I look forward to what's coming up in the next year, but I don't know what's happening <laughs> next year, so it's going to be just like this, really. Fair enough. More of the same. So with that, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>